You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back, listeners. This is Saturday Night on the Circle. I've got quite an exciting show planned. Of course, the news of the week every single day has been the complete debacle, the disaster, the collapse of Afghanistan. That's what we're going to be diving into for our first topic. Later in the hour, well, next segment, as a matter of fact, I'm going to have Laura Guy and Evan McMahon from the Indiana Property Rights Alliance. We're going to be discussing the ongoing battle against the unconstitutional eviction moratorium. And then finally, we're going to have Nigel Laskowski in from the Hammer and Nigel show discussing unruly behavior from Franklin Township in Tennessee and then how that you know kind of ties into the community conversation with uh, Carmel Clay Schools shutting down community input over unruly behavior. And yes, we have every right to advocate for our issues passionately, but also peaceably. Anyway, resetting the conversation. Again, thanks, folks. This is Saturday Night on the Circle. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher. Let's talk Afghanistan. And to do so, I'm bringing in the inimitable, the talented Chris Spangle from the Chris Spangle Show and We Are Libertarians Podcasting Network. Chris, I always appreciate your insight, especially from the third-party libertarian perspective. And boy, howdy, is this a big fluster cuck on the part of the Biden administration. I don't think, putting it mildly, they could have done worse if they planned it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, you really see the, you know, there was a moment where Trump realized that the cult he had behind him, basically, where what he said he could shoot somebody in the middle of 53rd Street and people would be okay with it. And that sort of was borne out over the course of his presidency. The exact opposite applies to Joe Biden. Like, nobody is defending him. He, in his own defense of himself, was like, the buck stops here, except for all of these other people who are to blame. I mean, it was really... I have, you know, I was uh, very pro-war. I was a college Republican in 2004. In 2003, WIBC and Greg Garrison helped me put on a support the troops rally there right outside of your building. Uh, I was very passionately pro going to Afghanistan and Iraq. And somewhere around the mid-2000s, I realized what a huge mistake. Uh, I just was totally wrong. And I think a lot of people felt the same way. And when you watch what was happening in Afghanistan over the years from uh, the failed policies of George Bush to kind of placate the country uh, to Barack Obama's surges to uh, Trump's surge where he upped the troops to several thousand when he came into office, it was just always sort of clear that this is how it was going to end. Now, if a 
little chubby nerd in central Indiana who has no foreign policy experience can understand that. I don't understand how the most quote unquote competent president of our lifetime could have gotten this so incredibly wrong. It's truly astounding. I mean, leaving was the absolute right decision. The way that they left was so haphazard. It's clear to me that Joe Biden just didn't care about the 15,000 American citizens in Afghanistan, the lives of the translators and the allies that could have become, you know, American citizens for their service to us. He just left them for dead and he's leaving for dead. We, we could see a refugee crisis of up to 1.2 million people, as it's been estimated. And this is not to mention the billions of dollars of equipment that we have left in the hands of the very <laughs> enemy that we've been fighting for 20 years who have now aligned with China and Russia. Yeah. And so they'll get the specs for all of our equipment. Like, I mean, why didn't you scuttle well, it? Why didn't you just that, burn that, it? They're talking about that today. They're scrambling last minute for this stuff. And it, it, it's like, I, I, don't, I just, I honestly don't know. I mean, right. the, the typical Republican line is that he's not in charge. He's sort of, well, and it, it was Joe wandering around the, the West Wing. And man, there must be some truth to that if this, with this poorly. Well, there's this sort of cute, clueless celebration of the collapse on the part of the Republicans that I don't fully understand because simultaneously there's a more militant wing who is acknowledging the futility of the campaign in Afghanistan and then suggesting that the way to give it meaning is to continue to sacrifice more American resources and lives to continue the war and fight in Afghanistan. No, 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 no. I don't think that what happened was inevitable to a certain degree. I, uh, more specifically, I don't think that the way it happened wasn't was inevitable. And I like that the way the way that you phrased that the withdrawal. I think almost universally, except for some very far, you know, right militant factions who who support a continuous ongoing war. For the most part, most Americans are on the same page that the withdrawal needed to happen. It's just this complete lack of insight on how to accomplish it, and seemingly absolutely Absolutely no planning. I think part of the reason why we've been there for 20 years is uh, sort of this inevitability, which you alluded to, in that they knew that it was going to be complicated and come at a high political cost, which no Mm -hmm. president before wanted to do. That's why Obama punted the issue. That's why Trump, even after campaigning on it punted the issue because he wouldn't be able to sustain the political cost, potentially, that was associated with a big debacle and failure of foreign policy on that scale. And now I think Joe Biden is fully realizing that because there wasn't any planning. I mean, it, seriously, he, he, he just, well, I mean, yeah, the, the, it, it doesn't need to be said any more than that. He, he didn't plan. Um, no, Joe Biden is was famously... Uh, Joe Biden was head of the Foreign Relations Committee and the Senate Foreign uh, the Committee for Foreign Relations in 2002, I believe it was. You know, so he and he again famously or infamously barely held any hearings about the AUMF for Afghanistan, which was widely supported, including by people like Ron Paul. You know, only Barbara Lee voted against it. It was 98 to 0 and like 420 to, to 1 in the House for going to war in Afghanistan. There's almost nobody in that time period that didn't think that doing something, some sort of retaliatory action in Afghanistan was necessary. And the Bush administration rightly sent a bunch of F-16s over and within a week had basically killed enough Taliban that you could have 
fit them on a couple school buses. And th- then the, the hunt for bin Laden was on. But instead of following through on that, they curiously or weirdly like stopped hunting for bin Laden and went to take Kabul away from the Taliban. The Taliban are not Al-Qaeda. Uh, and and we're, we're, us libertarians are slowly trying to teach our new non-interventionist brethren in the conservative movement of this. Uh, but the Taliban are a bunch like when we invaded Afghanistan, if you watch the outpost, this is kind of captured in that movie on Netflix. These villagers thought that the American soldiers were Russians because they hadn't heard that the Russians had left because the country was so scattered and so remote and isolated that you can't have a cohesive country because you can't even get information to to a lot of the people in in Afghanistan, it was never going to be a cohesive country. So the idea that you were going to build a nation from the Bush administration on was insane. And then you watch Obama's war on PBS frontline and you see the futility of it. There's this great scene from this 2009 documentary where General Flynn, the guy that thinks that Hillary Clinton's eating babies is plant, you know, well, we just need to win the hearts and minds of the locals. And you cut to a 22 year old Marine shouting at an Afghan leader to help them. And the Afghan leader's like, what could we do to help you? We don't even have swords. If you can't win them, beat them with tanks, what do you expect from us? Like it was, and and you just see like the villagers and the soldiers caught in this feudal game of, of play with kind of crazy people at the top who had this notion that Afghanistan was ever going to be built into a cohesive country. The, 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 Adam's apple, basically, you know, use apple here, the fruit of the poisonous tree, was that moment when Bush decided to not pull up stakes. We got al-Qaeda, we neutralized them, and instead decided to nation-build. And Obama doubled down on that, set a withdrawal date. We officially ended in 2014, but we've had an active force. And you'll hear these foreign policy experts say something like, well, we have troops in South Korea. Well, when we pull the 3,000 troops out of South Korea, the whole government's not going to collapse. It's, it's apples and oranges and completely different. Um, you know, Joe Biden was virulently pro-war, but then his son, Bo, um, went to Iraq, uh, and it's believed that part of part or what caused his uh, brain cancer was the burn pits. Again, in the outpost, you'll see these guys kind of burning the the feces from the camp and one of the guys talking about how it was going to cause cancer and that is really what turned joe biden into a dove on this and he fought like cats and dogs with obama about leaving afghanistan you know trump wanted to leave afghanistan despite him tripling troops and dropping the mother of all bombs (laughs) his rhetoric didn't match match his actions but then he he sets this withdrawal plan to leave afghanistan And the generals just didn't want to do it. And so they didn't. They didn't plan. They said, well, when Joe Biden gets in, it'll be different. And so nobody in the Pentagon planned and disobeyed the orders of the president. And then when Joe Biden said, no, I'm I'm following through on it, we need to be ready. They, They didn't do that then either. So a lot of blame goes on here from all four administrations, the foreign policy establishment, you know, these idiots at think tanks that are backed by Northrop and Grumman and Raytheon and the people who have benefited the most from this war, the long 19-year war in Afghanistan, 
Uh, the people who sell bombs, the people who sell tank equipment, the people who sell arms. Uh, it's, it's been a complete bungling and embarrassment through all four administrations. They've been entirely wrong on their strategy. And many of these same people are making decisions on things like COVID. So that's why a lot of us are really skeptical about anything the government, <laughs> when, when they say they're going to save us and send us all checks and stop the virus. Uh, I remember Afghanistan. I remember Iraq. I've been alive through all of this and remember how wrong they all got it. And we're not surprised to see it kind of trickle over into that other stuff as well. And this has now come at an enormous cost of civil liberties in that side of the world. And more, you know, more importantly, the toll of human life, civilian life, the peoples who aided Americans in the past 19, 20 years uh, of uh, intransigence over there. So, yeah, it's it's an enormous tragedy and it cannot in any way be overstated. I imagine we're going to be retrospectively delving through this for, you know, at least a decade on how the. When China sends out a note to Taiwan and says, hey, Taiwan, did you see that? They don't have your back. (laughs) The ripples of this are not, you know, people compare it to Saigon. Like in Saigon, there was a code that came out over the radio and everybody who was listening to the radio knew that was the secret signal to leave because that's how organized things were in Saigon when it about fell. Uh, The ripples of this level of incompetence in a world where we have a strategic serious foe in China, this cannot be understated. I mean, this is just a a tragedy on many levels that breeds more tragedy. I think you said it well. Uh, Chris Spangle from The Chris Spangle Show and We Are Libertarians Podcasting Network. Thanks for coming in. I always appreciate your insight, and I think you helped (laughs) break down that issue pretty well in a short 14-minute conversation. I mean, there's so much to talk about in 20 years. There's no way to, to cover it in just one segment. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we'll be covering it this weekend on the Chris Spangle Show, so please tune in on podcast. Absolutely. And stay tuned to Saturday Night on The Circle on 93 WIBC.